Today, we are looking at a very interesting topic, empowered to shine. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for enabling us to gather in your presence. Thank you for the gift of today. Thank you for the gift of your word. We pray that having taken part in the Lord's Supper and having gathered us together as your church, may the words that we share empower us, open our eyes to know who we are in your kingdom and what you expect us to do as we wait for your coming. We pray this in Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. The Bible is clear about who you are in Jesus and who you are in the Lord. Before he made you and you became a human being, you were a lump of clay. And God puts his breath in you, that is how you became a living being. And when God withdraws that breath, then you become earth to earth, dust to dust, and ashes to ashes. Period. No matter who you think you are, when you reach that stage, you are almost as good as an ash. And if God is the one who puts his breath in you, then he has already empowered you. He has empowered you to do what? To shine. To shine with his brightness. To shine for his purpose. And to shine to give his kingdom the glory. That's why Jesus could tell his disciples, let your light so shine that they will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But apart from that, general creation, God has gone on and on and on and done a number of things with the human race to show us how much he loves us by entering into covenant relationship with his people. And today what I'm talking about is covenant. Because we are talking about Baptist covenant, I want you to know that is only one of the lesser covenants. The greatest covenant is the covenant relationship that God has with his people. What is a covenant? Some may call it contract in the loose sense of the word. But covenant is a biblical term. It means two people agree to do something. Now, that covenant says, I will do this. Sometimes it is unilateral. God says, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this for you. I'll do this. So somebody writes a will, say, I've given you this house, I've given you this car, I've done this and this for you. What is your part? Your part is just what? Go and occupy the house and thank God. If you choose not to believe that they've given you a house and you won't go in, the bank account is not yours, it's up to you. But the person unilaterally has given it to you. There's a bilateral part where you do something and I say, yes, if you do your part, then I will also do my part. So you want to build a house, and I say, do this. Let me give you a nice example, a very nice example. I've been in church long enough to know when you are giving things away free, people like it. If you want them to pay, they don't like paying. So let me give account to you. We had anniversary brochure. The printing cost is 12 CDs. So we told you, it was 12 CDs. If it were free, we wouldn't have had any left. Those who can, excuse me, who can read, who cannot read, will take it. Those who take two, will take two. They will come back and take it. So we put a small tag on it. How much was it being sold? How much? Nice. Five cities. Do you know how many people bought it? Eh? 900 people bought it. 900. So assuming we were selling for 10 cities or 15 cities, they won't buy it. But if it were free, how many would have gone away? They would have said it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. 
That's how human beings are. Human beings do all kinds of things. And sometimes it is difficult to understand human beings. That is why law and processes are important. That you do my part, I do my part. There's a little token. So even in covenant, there are things that God can do for you. But he says, you make the first move. Yes, I've saved you. But work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Learn to tell the truth. Learn to shine for me. Learn to live a life of integrity. There are covenants like that. And God would empower you. So when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I can do them. But it's Christ who strengthens you, his part. Biblically, scholars tell us there are about eight covenants that God made with the human race. He made a covenant. He created Eden and put people there. So he decided what they wanted. he wanted them to do. Then Adam. Adam decided, well, God has put me there, but Adam sinned. And God said, I will not destroy you. I've put you here, but I would work with you. Your wife will give birth to a child. That child will crush Satan's head. And look, you go on. I'll still protect you. Then, after Adam, I'm just running through Bible history. And I'm sure this is a topic that serious Bible students should explore. Because there will be some redeeming power. Eh? There will be some Holy Ghostic fire in you. When you see the covenant that God has made and your place in Christ, then you stop all these charlatans and the demons and the liars for taking advantage of you because you are blood bought by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he paid a tremendous price for your salvation. He went through all of these things for you. And God is revealing himself. So there's Adam. And Adam, well, you know his story. He didn't try, but God still said, I made you. Between Adam and after Adam, oh, sin was plenty, galore, two for a penny. So they kept on sinning and sinning. And part of the Bible says, God said, what type of human beings are these? I'll destroy them. But God said, I don't want to destroy all these people. Let them give them a chance again. So God picked a man called what? Noah. Oh, please, the exam question is on the, on the. Noah. Noah preached to them, teach, encourage them to change. God is going to punish people. It's going to rain. They were just laughing at Noah. They had not seen rain before, but they were laughing at the man. You see how amazing human beings are? No. For over 120 years, the man had patience for them. The rain came. And when the rain came, ah, God himself was the one who locked the door. So they came, the in-laws, the suppliers, the carpenters, the plumbers. Noah, we help you. Noah, open the gate. Oh, Noah, open the door. He said, I'm sorry. I don't know where the handle is. God has closed the door. Don't let your end be like that. But something happened in Noah. We'll come back to that later on. After Noah, God made a covenant with him. Then God decided, oh, these human beings, still, I can work with a human being. Then he called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham, yeah, leave your house, your father and your mother, and follow me. I will bless you. By you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. If they curse you, I will curse them. But if they bless you, I will bless them. Uh, Noah had this problem. Why is God calling Abraham? Is he sure Abraham will follow him now? Well, Abraham did. He didn't follow God perfectly, but later on he did. Today, the three greatest religions in the world, Christianity, Judaism, 
and Islam. They all claim Abraham as their father. Why? Because Abraham believed God. And they take it as he had a covenant with God. God said, all those who bless you, I'll bless them. And therefore, we may disagree on many things, but we all agree Abraham is our father. Was he a perfect man? He wasn't. But why? God made the agreement with him. That is the one by whom all people shall be blessed. From Abraham, his children continued sinning and sinning and sinning until they went into captivity. They went into captivity. They would not obey the laws of God and they spent over 400 years in Egypt. And God sent them a deliverer called Moses. <laughs> so God sent them a man called Moses. Let my people go that they may worship me. And Moses stood and said, yes. All the signs and wonders Pharaoh allowed them to go. And he spent the time on the mountain praying and seeking the will of God, the face of God for 40 days. And God said, look, these are my people. This is my covenant. They call it the Sinai covenant. These are the Ten Commandments. Look, I have sworn by myself. I will guide you. I will lead you. I will, I will never destroy you, these people. I have chosen you, not because you are good, but I want you to be an example. All people everywhere will see these people and say, who are these? And they will give glory to me. So those are the people that Moses brought. Hmm. Did they do the thing that God wanted them to do? They tried but they didn't succeed. But God said something. You, these people, I've given you this land. I've given you this land. Moses himself was so angry with the people that he died, God buried them. By the way, uh, let, me, uh, let me just chip that in for 30 seconds. I, used, I preached that sermon sometimes. Somebody didn't like it. Somebody said, oh, pastor, if I pay my tithe, I pay it to God. So the church doesn't have to have a record of my tithe keeping. I said, I agree with you. So I paid it to God, and God will take care of me. And I said, oh, I know. When I read my Bible, there are a lot of things that God can do by himself. For instance, he caused Adam to sleep. And then he made a wife and brought it to, brought it to who? Brought it to him. Who did the counseling? You or me or any deacon here. Family life. They didn't do the counseling. So he married them. Who did the wedding for them? God married Adam and Eve. He did. Yeah. And when the first child died, who buried? God buried. Okay, then fast forward. You know, Moses sinned against God. And when Moses died, who buried him? God. In the book of Jude, we are told that even the angels were fighting over him. But God said, I'll bury him. So, God can do all things. If you want God to do all things for you, he can marry you. He can bury you. He can do all kinds of things for you. But... If you want the church to be involved, and I have on my roster 25,000 people, please, I beg you, I don't have enough hair on my head to carry all the wahala of the world. So you to do your part. So if you have that logic that God can do all things, you want to give to God in secret, God will reward you in secret. If you don't like my theology, I'm just telling you as a church administrator, that's how we make some decisions. So there's no, nothing hidden about it. But... The Palestinian covenant said, I'm giving you this land from here to here to here to here. You may not like Palestine, and I don't like some of the things that happen over there. But anytime they are fighting, they take the Bible and say, God said, from the Euphrates to the Tigris to this, to this, I have given it to you to generations forever and ever and ever. And it's theirs. They can have all these things, 
the way they continue to live there has puzzled this world. That's how God did it. They are not perfect. So, Palestinian one. But there was a man in Palestine who God used to capture all the nations, the Jebusite, the Hevite, the this and that, called David. He was a warrior. That small boy, dangerous one, eh, who kills bears with stones, was dangerous. But God loved him. The man didn't only love God, but he also loved women, beautiful women. And saw one woman. Eh, you see, you think you are the first one to be watching pornography. Pornography can only lead you into sin. Abomination, sin, sin, sin. Instead of minding your own business, you are there looking at somebody's nakedness. So you're looking at the nakedness, and you see, to look is not a sin. No. To look is not a sin. You look and say, ah, this woman is beautiful, but stop looking. Don't open your mouth, so, and then start planning. So he planned and brought the woman in. He had a child, the child died. The man never forgave himself. The man lost his moral authority. His house was in trouble. So upon all the physical victories that he had over the armies, his home was in tatters. But the man loved God. All the battles that they fought, there was one thing that was of concern to him. Because he was a king, they built a palace for him. Palace with corridors, with bedrooms, with porches, with orchards, with women, with servants. Say, how can I live in this palace? And God who made me, the representation of God, which is the ark, is in a tent. No, God, I'll build a temple for you. God said, David, you are a man after my own heart. You've chosen to do something good. But I see, not you. You, your hands are too bloody. You've done a lot of things. Please. But I give you credit for it. Do you know, sometimes just your desire to do something for God allows God to give you credit. There are some of you, when you have the opportunity to serve God and to give to him and do good, you don't even begin to say, let me try. Say, oh, me, me, yeah. Me, yeah, I won't do it. And you'll get the reward of I won't do it. The man said, I'll do it. And God said, I won't let you do it. He said, okay, God, if you won't let me do it, I think you need it. Okay, so I'll let your son do it. He said, okay. Ah, so instead of going to the discos, to the dances, to the beer clubs, to all these women and all this, he piled the money. He said, son, take it and build a temple. God saw what he did. He said, David, because of what you did, the kingship would never leave your house. The tribe of David would always be kings, not only in this world, in the world to come. He said, they can do whatever they want to do, but this is my covenant with you, the Davidic covenant. It's a royal one. And God said, David, you bless me. And so Jesus came. He was born in Bethlehem. He was taken to Nazareth to go and live there, which was not part of the confederacy of Israel. But when the time came that he must be born, there was a king in Rome who made a decree and said everybody should go to their hometown and go and register in the electoral rule, the Calvary rule. So they moved from Nazareth and came to Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, the city of David, he was born. Hello. You get how God works? fulfilling it. The man from the east saw the star. They said, no, if he's a king, he must be born in Jerusalem, in the king's palace. They came there, said, no. Micah 5.2, 
Ereto in Bethlehem, Ephrata. You are but a small Judean village, for out of you will come the king. It is there, 700 years before he was born, Davidic, and he continues. Of course, King David's son came, and he said, all these commandments are only a shadow of what God really wants. To restore relationship between people and their God. He has made all these covenants with you over and over and over again. You've broken it. And when you break the covenant, you go and sacrifice sheep and bulls and goats and all of these things. But I'm telling you, I am coming to make the last sacrifice. And as for that covenant, nobody can break it. It will be the best covenant ever. Because the perfect son of God will give the perfect sacrifice for sin once and for all. Hallelujah. And when that covenant was made, on the day he was taking the Lord's Supper, said, this represents the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you take it, do it in remembrance of me. When you were taking it, did you see yourself as a redeemed child of God? Child bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let me show you something quickly. So this is, this is a representation of the ark, the ark of God's covenant that the Jews carry everywhere. They carry everywhere and they boast about it. This is our God. This is the one who saved us. And he gave us the Torah. They don't obey it, but they only hold it. Sometimes they hold it as if it's magic and God allows them to be beaten. And then they get this grace. They say, ah, but God, they took your ark. It's not, it's not about taking my ark. It's like you taking the Bible and doing all these things and then somebody slaps you and then because you are a thief and you go to prison and say, give me my Bible to read if you repent. But go to the chat. So let's look at five of those covenants and see what they say to us as we try and run up. So there are five key covenants in the Bible. I said eight, but I'm emphasizing how many? Five. And you see how it works. So that in worshiping God, See, my people perish for lack of knowledge. But Daniel also said, those who know their God shall be what? They will be strong. They will do exploits. They will do exploits. I was taken to a place some time ago to come and pay the rent of Calvary, the lease of Calvary Baptist Church. So I took the lease and I read it. Well, me too, I went to that school where they read those book long things. And I was looking at the lease. And said, the lease is given to Calvary Baptist Church. We are to pay 10 pesos a year. 10 pesos a year. So I went to the place to pay. They asked me, you've come to pay? I said, yes. How many years? I said, 10 years. How much did you bring? I said, I brought 1,000 Ghana cities to pay for 10 years. The man said, oh, are you serious? How can you pay? 1,000 for 10 years. I said, please, when I read the document, it says, so it says 84 Ghana cities. So 84 times 10 is what? 840. You can keep the change. So, oh, no, 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 no. I can't take it. I said, please. So why is the new rate? So, you know, this law was made long ago. And I said, please, show me the new rate. So, oh, pastor, all you have to do is to leave some envelope here. It's so an envelope for what? So if I give you the envelope, how will you write a receipt for me? So you are making my work, my work difficult. I said, no. This is the law. It hasn't changed. If they want to change it, they should change it. Until that time, I owe you 840. He said, I should get out of his office. 
So I got out of his office. And I told him, wherever he takes me, I'll follow him until the law changes. It's a covenant. It's an agreement that was signed and somebody omitted to change the rate. So I was not going to take the civil servant's rate for it. They can quote some rate to some people, but they can't quote it to me. I said, 840 Ghana cities. One day, they, I think now they've changed it small, so we are there. That's what covenant, if you know your rights, particularly your right in the kingdom of God, your right as a child of God, you stand on your ground, the devil will take his position. Your enemies will take their position. But you thank God for what he wants to do until otherwise stated. So, these five covenants. Take the first one. The first chart, Noah. Genesis 18, royal. God said, look, Noah, I have chosen you. Go and do what I sent you to do. He did it. He said, you lateral, God decided to do it. When God heard the people crying, God said, no more, it won't happen again. I would no longer destroy the earth with rain. Finish. And God put the rainbow in the skies. And said, when I see the rainbow, I will not. Yesterday I heard that there was about 50 inches of snow in the U.S. state of Missouri. 800 people died. So many people are locked. But one thing that told me is that this will not destroy the world. It will not. As long as God keeps his covenant, it will not destroy the world. Don't mind, forget, your, your hometown may be lost. My hometown, where I was born, many houses are gone. But it's not Ghana that is destroyed. If I don't know my hometown, I can't find my house. At least I was born in Ghana. I'm a Ghanaian. Now, then he called Abraham. Look, I've chosen you. But Abraham, you ought to do something. And all the people who are men in your house, you must show that you are committed to me. And your tribe is different from the tribes of the world. And you are to honor me with circumcision. So he was circumcised with himself and the household. And they follow it. And up to today, the Jews will not have anything to do, practicing Jews will not have anything to do with people who are not circumcised. So once upon a time, you can Google it, a certain nice young man wanted to marry Barbara Streisand, who is a Jewess. And how she got to know that the man is not circumcised, I don't know. But I said, you, you are not circumcised, I will marry you. Remember when David was going to fight that battle? He said, this uncircumcised Philistine, <laughs> you, this guy, ah, you, what do you think you are? Ha! I'm a child of God. God bought blood and you are annoying us. Okay, my father will show you something. So circumcision in the Old Testament. And they still claim it. But you have something better. If you came to Moses, his was clear. God said, I'll do my part. And God gave them all these laws. But it was bilateral. If you read Deuteronomy 28, 29, when they was recapping, he said, and do these things. When you do this, I will bless you. When you do this, I would curse you. And most of the promises had to do with an agricultural society. What you do, and God will bless you. So seven years, what you do. Seven times, 749, what you do. What you do in the Jubilee year. And keep it. And when they did not keep it, they went into exile, and they were troubled over and over. It had to do with the land. And what was the sign that they should keep it? Take the Sabbath and keep it holy. Keep it holy. Sabbath law was given to God by the, for them, and because they are his covenant people. So you see how the Bible is developing. 
Hello, are you with me? Okay. Now take another one. Second Samuel 7. Everlasting covenant with David. And he said, David, because of what you have done, I'm telling you, the kingship would never and ever depart from your house. All right? Fast forward the story. Somebody came as David's son. John the Baptist prophesied, this is the lamp of God who took away the sins of the whole world. Well, if it is true, we will see. Any comedian, any magician can arrange to be killed. But whether they can arrange to be resurrected is a different story. Every year, you get people in Latin America, they are crucified. They shed their blood for people to give them money because they stay on the cross three days, five days, they don't die. And that's the whole point. The whole point of crucifying people is to show that you will pay for your sins. You will suffer and suffer and suffer. And the miracle of Jesus' dying is that it was so short that they couldn't understand why Bema Kantinka can die within three hours like that. Etila, he was gone. Why? He said, nobody can take away my life. I lay it down myself. And when they came, he was gone. He said, what? The centurion said, I've never seen anybody die so fast. Thank you. Even in your dying, you make a statement to unbelievers. May that be your story. That you die in dignity. You die in style. Because you have the confidence that God gave you his life. If he wants to take it, Lord, I'm gone. He could on the cross tell somebody, a thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he was gone. It's his to give to the man. The man didn't argue and was with him in paradise. So, what happened? He rose again as the king. He rose again his resurrection. So in Acts chapter 2, that became the message. <laughs> you these Jews, you thought you were killing the prince of life. But let me tell you, the man you rejected, the man you killed, he's now the cornerstone. That is what we read from the scriptures. David said unto my Lord, Lord, sit at your right hand side until I make all your enemies your footstool. Hey, Peter was standing preaching. They said, where from this fisherman? He said, yeah, you can talk and call me fisherman. The power is not in me. I now understand the covenant, the relationship that Jesus is the new covenant. Hallelujah. He stood on it. People looked at him and said, yeah. They took note that he has been with Jesus. When they saw their boldness, when they saw their witnessing power, when they got to the places where they worship idols, they said, look at the people. The people who turned the world upside down have also come to cause disturbance here. How did they turn the world upside down? They turned the world right side up. By telling them that idols will not help you, politics will not help you, stealing will not help you, philosophy will not help you. It is only Jesus that can help you. And they preach the resurrection. That David's name will live forever and forever and forever. Now all this happened. Then Jesus Christ himself, way back, Isaiah 59, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, had said one thing. That all these laws that God had given to his people are external laws. But the time is coming when God will write his laws on their hearts. When he'll give them mercy and grace. When his spirit will fill us to do what God wants us to do. When the covenant, the old covenant of the law will be changed. And the covenant of grace would come. So they've been waiting for the Messiah. The evening before he died, Jesus celebrated the Passover. He said, this is the last Passover I'll celebrate here on earth. But now, I'm telling you, this is the new covenant in my blood. Wow. 
The new covenant say yes. My blood replacing the blood of bulls and goats. My flesh replacing all those meals and all those sacrifices. And it is forever and forever and forever. That is why you as a child of God, when he invites you to his table, you are to thank him because he has died for you, but he lives to make intercession for you. And we are not to come to the Lord's table lightly. We are to come examining ourselves and proclaiming that he lives and he lives forever. He came so that sin will no longer have any dominion over us. He came that we may have a message to share with the world. That God who has called you has empowered you to shine out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. You can shine. Hallelujah. So these are the covenants. And when we talk about grace, grace and the grace of God, some have taken it for granted. They take the grace of God to be licensed. License to do anything you want to do. But that is not the understanding of the grace of God. So years back, the Baptists put together what we call the church covenant. That God has saved us and made us members of a family, of a community, of a people who should love him, who should understand him, who should care for each other. And in caring for each other, these are the basics. LCM, the lowest common denominator. These are the lowest things, LCD. These are the things that we are to do. That is what we call church covenant. And if you don't agree to be part of this covenant, it means you are not willing to be part of the body of Christ. There are no laws governing you, but there are guides that guide your conduct that you should subscribe to. So put the church covenant on the board for me to see. We'll stand and we'll read it. We'll read it, go back and read it again. Next week we'll sign it and do that digital registration. I'm going to prepare your heart to, to, show, to show you that how it goes, what a covenant is, is an agreement of what we as church hold dear. And in our constitution, it says these are the basic things that bind us together as a church. Otherwise, we cannot be saying we are a community. What is a community? Some say, oh, it's the Bible. All these things are just extracted from the Bible. Are you with me? Are you able to get it? Do you have a hymn book? It's in your hymn book. So as I said, next Sunday, God willing, in our individual chapels, it will be translated. Um, there are still need for people who can help as volunteers. They are being contacted to help us put this together. If we can't find it. So, but I know it's there. Is it there? What are you pointing at? All right. How many have read the church covenant before? Oh, how many have signed it before? All right. How many don't know what it's about? Okay. How many have read it before? I saw about 10%. How many have signed it before? I saw 2%. How many don't know what it is? And I saw 90%. Can we please stand and read it together? Can you see it outside, please? Can you see it? Is it on your screens? All right. Thank you. Can we read it together?
Let us pray. Lord, the words that we have read are supposed to represent our feeble response to the matchless love you showed us that we are in covenant relationship with you and with one another. Help us. You have empowered us to shine. Help us to do our part. Help us to think, meditate on these things, to ask for your grace and your favor and your mercy. Help us not to put you to shame by taking the covenant relationship with you for granted. But above all, may all that we do bring you joy as a church and as individuals. This we ask for in Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen.